you can be ahead of the game. John chapter 2. I've been in the middle of a series called uh, The Unexpected Jesus, and I wanted us to look at Jesus from a fresh perspective in a new way. And today, the title of my message is Jesus the Rule Breaker. You know, we are a people who desperately need rules. Rules bring boundaries, protection. Rules bring structure to our lives. And anarchy never works out. Anarchy is where people rule themselves. It doesn't work in nations or cultures. It doesn't work in churches. It doesn't work in families. You can't have everyone just to be a ruler of themselves. You have to have the fine leadership of the fine leader and clear rules. Because anarchy just never, never works out. You always have to have rules and, and, and stated authority. And that's why rules are important. And, and Jesus um, understood that principle because he's a giver of all good things. And he gave rules and he gave the Ten Commandments and he lived by those. Uh, and so I make all that as a disclaimer so I can say this. Rules are important. Rules are needed. We all need them. All that's a disclaimer so I can say this. There's some rules that are just dumb rules. Period. There's no other way to get around it. They just don't make sense. There's not logic to them. Um, a couple of years ago, one of my children were they were going to uh, a Mother's Day Out program, and so it was the first week of school. So I did what any good dad would do. I, I started to fix lunch for the little toddler, and I got out the all-American lunch: peanut butter. Grape jelly, white bread. Doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that is just what a kid needs for lunch. I don't care what the sugar grams are or what the health statisticians say. A kid needs a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so I'm, I'm making it, put it on thick, and all of a sudden Beth comes around the corner and she would stop. And I'm like, what? I thought I was being a good dad. I thought I was helping her out by actually fixing a lunch for her. She said, stop. Lincoln can't have any more peanut butter for the whole year. I was like, what? She went on to explain to me that a note had come home that had said there was another child of the 20 who had a peanut allergy. And so because of that, my son was not going to be able to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the rest of the year. And I was like, what? Like, like do they think the kid's going to like wake up at nap time and start, you know, sabotaging lunches and licking the peanut butter or something? I mean, I couldn't understand. I said, are you serious? One kid has a peanut allergy and none of the kids could have peanut butter. Now, for those three or four of you who your kid has a peanut butter, a peanut, you know, uh, allergy there, I know I'm going to get an email from you this week and I understand it's serious and they could, you know, get rash in their throats, all that. I know that. But the point is, you would think that a teacher could manage the fact that one child has a peanut allergy and so the other's going to have peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's just a dumb rule for me. Wasn't a good rule. You know what other rule I don't really like at all? And, and this happens with grocery stores now and gas stations and uh, pharmacies. Value cards. Can I tell you, value cards are of the devil. <laughs> I mean, I believe that's straight from the pit of hell. You're, 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 you're going to buy, uh, you know, you're going to buy some medicine for your sick child or some milk, and they're like, "Give me the plastic card, or you're going to have to pay an extra two dollars." Now, who thought that was a good idea? I don't know. That's a dumb rule. That's a bad, bad rule. When it comes to tipping now, now I'm a tipper as far as like 
I give a good tip to a good uh, uh, waiter or uh, if you're at a nice hotel, if someone or the airport, someone gets your your 50 pound bag off the off the shuttle. You know, we give a dollar, two dollars, whatever's appropriate. But who in the world thought it was a good idea to tip a Starbucks person? I mean, what's remarkable remarkable about this? You take the cup, you pour, and then give me money. Cup, pour, give me money. It just, it just doesn't work. Not a good rule at all. So there's, there's, there's just some rule, even though I made the disclaimer that rules are good, rules are valuable, we need them. Some rules just aren't that great. Jesus uh, had a way of distinguishing between God-given rules and man-made rules and the difference. See, people, when they don't understand rules, they get highly frustrated. When they don't understand the intent of the rules, they don't understand the purpose of the rule. In fact, when you don't understand the purpose and the intent behind a rule, it eventually leads to some kind of rebellion. So rules need to make sense. And Jesus lived at a time that was highly charged with unreasonable rules and rules that didn't make a lot of sense. In fact, what they they did in his day is they took the Torah, they took the Old Testament, and they had books that were rules about the rules. And they had rules about the rules that God gave. And they were always putting man-made custom upon the rules that God did. So Jesus, I want to present to you, was a rule breaker. He came and he would break the illogical rules that didn't have anything to do with anything that made sense. He also broke the rules of nature. He broke the rules of the, the, the rules of the laws of physics with his miracles and the things that he did. And it starts off in John chapter 2. Because John chapter 2, he did his first miracle with the wedding at Cana. We see here that on the third day, in verse 1, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not come yet. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, and here's a key verse, verse 10, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And this, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and the disciples put their faith in him. Jesus, the rule breaker, he broke cultural, cultural rules, he broke relational rules, he broke family rules, he broke religious rules, he broke Sabbath rules, but he broke all those rules because he wanted to break one rule that is over you and I. He wanted to break one law, one rule that's over you and I. And we're going to head to that direction. But I want to make a couple of observations. And you see there at verse 10 where he said this, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the chief wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till last. Jesus established a principle here and he write it down is that sometimes changing the norm brings about a miracle. 
And that's why Jesus is uh, one who breaks the rules. And He breaks what people say. And He does the opposite of what everyone else says. Jesus has this ability when He comes into your life to mix things up, to rearrange things, because sometimes we get stuck in a rut. And we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And because we keep doing the same thing over and over again, we get the same results over and over again. And the custom of that day was you, 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 bring, you bring the best wine out first. Everybody, everybody can get drunk and they won't care about the wine at the end. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to break the trend. I'm going to put the best for the last. i got to tell you that it's sometimes in our lives we have to be willing to get out of the norm, to get out of the usual, to get out of the rhythm that we're in, to open our eyes and open the doors for a miracle in our life. For Naaman, the leper, it meant that he had to go somewhere unfamiliar and had to obey someone he didn't know. And he obeyed the prophet and he dipped himself seven times in the dirty river among people he considered dirty because he had to do something out of the norm to create the miracle. For for the, the Zacchaeus, he had to climb a tree. He had to humble himself and climb a tree and reposition himself so he could see Jesus, to do something out of the norm so he could get a glimpse of who Jesus was. For the beggar at the temple gates, he had to get in the pathway of Peter and he had to cry out. He had to cry out for a healing. He had to do something different to shake up the normal, the normal rhythm, the normal routine so he could position himself for the miracle. Can I tell you that when Jesus came into the world, He broke all the rules, He broke all the norm, He did something totally different because it was time to change the old ways and start something new. Can I tell you, for some of you, you need to make some changes in your life and the first change is it's time to submit yourself to Jesus Christ. It's time to not hold back anymore, to give your life completely to Him, to allow Him to change you. For some of you, it means that it's time for you to start coming to church on a more regular basis, to be faithful to that. For some of you, it means that you need to start praying with your wife or you need to start reading the Bible with your kids uh, at least a couple of times a week, a couple of times a week. But you have to change sometimes, change the norm to open yourself up to a miracle. I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 12. Jesus encountered a really uh, silly rule one time. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1, says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the laws that on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. Seven, if you have known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For God, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogues. Verse 10. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man 
than a sheep. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This is a really amazing story. Without getting to all the details of the cultural meaning behind it, we can, we can break it down this simple. There was a man with a shriveled hand he couldn't use. And the religious leaders of the day, they were more concerned whether if, if Jesus kept their rules than whether this man could use his hand again and receive a healing. Such a backwards way of thinking. Such a wrong way of thinking. And I believe Jesus broke that rule, write it down, because number two, he wanted to show us that people are more important than man-made rules. Now, there's God-given rules, the Ten Commandments, that those are God-given rules that we must adhere to, things that are clear in the Scripture. But there's all kinds of man-made rules that often, often that we place as more important than people. I have... A couple of summers ago, or last summer, I went to uh, uh, an amusement park not too far from here. I, I don't want to give it any bad press or anything, um, but its initials are Beach Bend. Um, they just kind of slipped out. Uh, and, and Beach Bend is, you know, it's kind of an archaic place that still has charm if you're under the age of six. Uh, and, and you go there and you, you buy the tickets, and with the tickets you're able to ride certain rides. So I bought the coupon book, and, and I was trying to, you know, plan my money. I didn't want to buy, like, the $30 wristband. I thought, I'm going to beat the system. I'm going to beat the system. I'm just going to pay per ride. Didn't work out. I, I lost money on this whole deal. The day was ending, and there's some kind of little little trinket toy here, uh, like, like a little um, carousel-type deal. Just kind of went around in a circle. Nothing remarkable, nothing good about it. And I had... Um, five tickets left. The ticket booth was on the other side of the, of the park. The day was ending. I had five tickets, three kids that needed two tickets apiece. So I needed six tickets for all my kids to go. So I just thought, hey, listen. I said, listen to this great and mighty carousel operator that had to be at least 16, maybe. I said, hey, man, listen. Can, can you do the deal? The, the day's ending. I'm far from the ticket booth. I've got these little kids. I only got five tickets. You can let us ride. And there, with all the power of his minimum wage, he shook his head no. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I was like, come on, man. I did that whole deal. Come on, bud. Let the kids ride. Look at the poor kids. And the dude just sat there obstinately and just would not let me through. And I'm just sitting there Thinking, I mean, at that point, I'm so irritated here. Of course, you know what you do then. You say, come on, kids, we're not riding it at all. Let's go. We're never coming back here again. But here it was, this young kid, if he had any brain in his head, could see that I had two kids and that one of them was going to be left out. But the rule was more important than the individual there's something powerful about our rules. There's something powerful about our list. We love to judge people by our standards. Now, I'm not talking about God's standards. I'm talking about the standards we put 
upon God's standards. There's something seductive about that, that we can say they're out, we're in. They're wrong, we're right. We're going to judge them by our man-made rules. And many, many times we forget about the individual and their needs and who they are because we're committed to our man-made rules. I'm so glad Jesus was a rule breaker, that Jesus, he didn't just let that man stay with a shriveled hand because of the Sabbath, but he healed him because his hand needed to be healed. He let his disciples eat in the temple because they were hungry. Why? Because people are more important than the rules. Go to John chapter 8. We see here that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This is in verse 1 at 2. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And Jesus, the rule breaker, they came in verse 6. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Aren't you so glad that Jesus didn't just follow the rule at that time? He put the person first. He put the heart of the situation first. He put her life before that. And you know, he never contradicted the law. He just said, hey, if you're gonna, if you're gonna live by that standard, you're gonna hold her to that standard, every one of you have to be by that same standard too. That's where grace comes in. That's what we celebrate today. We celebrate the fact that his grace has paid the penalty for our adultery, for our lying, for our stealing, for our jealousy. He's paid the price for that. He's the one who took that penalty. He's the one, the only one who has the right to say, Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. And he's saying that to us today. Why? Because he puts people before man-made rules. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. Jesus, a rule breaker, proves to us that death will not rule forever. Death will not rule forever. In this world, death does rule. The scripture tells us clearly that it's appointed for man to die once and then to face judgment. Every single one of us, unless Jesus comes back again, every single one of us will die. We will die. We are destined, happy Easter, to die. But it is a reality. It is a reality that we are victims of death. And we are moving towards that. Every single one of us, there's an appointed time for us to die. Every single one of us will face death unless Jesus comes again. But can I tell you that death is not just the time that they declare us dead in the hospital. Death is all around us. Death rules in the broken marriages and the broken families that are in our community. 
death rules at the Hendersonville Medical Center and in all the other hospitals that are here in Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Death rules in the nursing homes and the rehabilitation centers. Death rules in the Sumner County Jail. Death rules in the drug-infested neighborhoods of Gallatin. Death rules uh, among the suicidal teenagers here in Hendersonville. Death rules in the ever-growing population of homeless people in downtown Nashville. Death rules in the refugee camps of Darfur. Death rules in the churches that are being closed in Western Europe. Death rules for the sex slaves in Cambodia that are children. Death rules to the oppressed church in China that is being oppressed by their government and cannot meet. Death rules in this world. The, The rule of death affects every one of us, and it's not when we die, it's how we live. that The rule of death is coming against us. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15. Because the reason we celebrate Jesus and the reason we celebrate Easter, because Jesus, the rule breaker, broke the rule of death. He broke the rule of death and he breaks it over us. Just as everyone, verse 22 says, dies because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised at the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised. When he comes back, after that, the end will come. When he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, and having destroyed every ruler and authority and power for Christ, must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. Now look at verse 26. Verse 26. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus the rule breaker. Jesus the rule breaker came because he wanted to break the rule of death. He came and he began to break all the rules. He broke all the rules of society, family rules, religious rules. But what he was trying to do was to break the rule of death that the enemy has tried to put over you and me. The rule of death means that someday, because of Jesus, we're going to live in heaven. Someday we're going to live in a place where death will no longer rule. There will be no more sickness There'll be no more hospitals. There'll be no more nursing homes. There'll be no health care problems. Because of the resurrection, because death has been broken, there'll be no more jails. There'll be no more drug addicts. There'll be no more rehab centers. There'll be no more overdoses. Because of the resurrection, there'll be no more suicide. There'll be no more murders. There'll be no one who's homeless. There'll be no more refugee camps. There'll be no more genocide. Because of the resurrection... Children will no longer be oppressed. Injustices will stop. And all our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted and oppressed will be clothed in white robes of righteousness because they have overcome the evil one. So why is a resurrection important? And why is it important that Jesus is a rule breaker? Because there is a law of death that's over you. It's over me. It's over our city. It's over our nation. It's over our world. The law of death has rule and reign. But Jesus has come and he has conquered death. He has broken the rule of death over you and he's broken the rule of death over me. I want you to look at the last scripture today about Revelation chapter 21. It shows us where we're going because of the resurrection. The resurrection has come and it wasn't just a one-time event. The resurrection isn't just about one man coming to life. The resurrection is about this Jesus, the first fruits of the resurrection, who when he came to life, he brought something new and he brought life to every situation. Look at me here at Revelation 21. This is what we are going to be a part of for those of us who believe in Jesus. It says, then I saw in a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth 
Remember that whole list I gave you? The prisons, the sickness, the refugee camp, the genocide, all that junk. The old world, earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. And I, I, um, verse 3, I heard a, a, He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Can I tell you why there's a why the resurrection matters, why Easter matters? It's because God has come and broken the rule of death over you. And he's given you life. And that place I just read about, the place where there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no more tears, that place is for you. He is preparing it for you. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, because in my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I have gone before you to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you may be also. That's the kind of Jesus that we serve. That's the type of Jesus that on this Easter Sunday wants you to know that he broke the rules for you. He broke the man-made rules because he had a better rule he wanted to break. He wanted to break the rule of death that's over your life. And he wants to show himself strong to you today. I want you to close your eyes where you're, stand, where you're sitting. Remain sitting for a second. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord is just saying that he's wanting to connect with you this day. The Lord's wanting to connect with you this day. The Lord has created this pause in your life. He has created this moment for you to sit. You might have come because of the invitation from someone else. You might have come out of obligation. You might have come out of habit. But it's not an accident that you're here. That God is here because he wants to break the rules in your life. Some of you say, I've tried before and I keep falling over and over again. Can I tell you that it's a new day? That God said, I'm making all things new. That I want to show myself to you today in a new way. This is a new start. This is a new beginning. Just as Jesus, he resurrected in power and said, it's no longer, I'm not a ghost. I have flesh and blood. Some of you, Jesus is going to move today from a myth to something real. He is real and he is alive. And he can be real to your hearts if you want him to be this day. I want our team, to lead us in the song. And I want this to be your prayer today because if you can take one step towards Jesus, you're going to find that he's there for you. Many of you have never taken a step for him, but can I tell you that every time I take a step towards Jesus, I learn more and more about who he is and what he is.